Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Well, you know what? I've got another great one planned for you this week and we've got some special guests joining us in a little while. Mr. Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage is going to be joining me. And if you haven't heard what's going on in the new year, make sure you tune into what Dave and I have to talk about. That's right. They're putting a pressure test on absolutely everyone to make sure that you do not take on more debt than you should. And how is that reacting in the market today? Well, you'll find out a little bit in, in a little while with Dave and I. And a little bit later on in the hour, I've got Mr. Mike Chestahovsky joining me. Uh, he is the Executive Vice President from CBRE. That's right, he's returning. You've heard him here before on Simply Real Estate, and it's great to have Mike come in. Uh, you know, we when we talk about real estate, it's so easy for us just to think of our own backyard every single second of the day. Uh, and I really do mean your own backyard uh, residentially. But here's the thing, there's so much more to real estate and especially when we start talking about commercial and industrial and how the big boys play the game. You know, you've, you've heard a lot going on. I'm going to talk to you about a story in a few minutes that I want to share, obviously, of, uh, you know, unfortunately, some people getting caught in the crossfire of development and people that do all these big, huge developments and try to make a ton of money and uh, what they've just recently done. So uh, lots to talk about today. And of course, trying to keep up to date right here on real estate on a regular basis on what's going on in the market. It's been an interesting year so far, though, and you know we're starting to wind down right now. We thought that the real estate market was going to kind of quiet down a little, and yet we are seeing some signs of recovery. All sorts of things in the headlines, and this is this is one of the things that I hope everybody can appreciate is that I love taking the time you know, going through the headlines with everybody, because a lot of it I'm going to call bunk. You know what? I think that most people are just trying to sell some articles, you know, get their name in the spotlight. And when some of these numbers that were flying around this year, and, and you know, if you tuned into me weekly, you'd know that I was like absolutely trying to rip people apart on this, that when people are saying, listen, the market's falling by 45%, you know, that is so much crap sometimes is that everybody's natural inclination is that they're thinking they're losing their shirt. We're talking about money. But it wasn't the case. I was always talking about volume. And, you know, when the numbers come out this year, I think that we're going to see that obviously the volume has dropped, the number of sales, you know, it went absolutely ballistic when we were looking at the first four months of the year. But of course, everything started to taper down. Everybody started getting worried. Numbers were falling by the wayside. You know, prices that had, uh, that had been, you know, going through the roof all of a sudden went backwards. And of course, there was all sorts of things going on. And if, uh, uh, any of you have uh, been you know, tuning in to me on a regular basis, you would uh, hear me say that the sky is not falling. And what we did see was that anybody that bought in March and April, sorry, your sky did fall. And, uh, you know, I apologize for it. Um, Mr. Benjamin Tall uh, from uh, the World Markets, from CIBC World Markets, was on, you know, about a month and a half ago with me. And it's great to have Mr. Tall come on. And as he called it, he called it a blip. And, you know, when we take a look back, you know, years from now, when we take a look at the real estate market, we'll say, listen, remember those two or three months that there was this crazy run up? And for those of you that hopped into the market, 
that, you know, thinking that, hey, this is going to continue to do well for us. We're going to continue to see prices go through the roof. You know, unfortunately, uh, everybody's now, you know, taking a penalty on that one. And the one thing that we always talk about in real estate is, are you a real estate speculator or are you a real estate investor? And so that pretty much starts me into my next point. And that is recently there was a builder that decided to cancel a development and this is the one that I think has probably caught a few people off guard. And the people that were buying this development, they bought last year, back in June. And unfortunately, they ended up taking the brunt of this one when they, uh, when the condominium just turned around, the development, the developer canceled the project. So what happens? And the headline, and I think it's probably a pretty fair uh, headline, saying cancellation leaves buyers of pre-construction condos priced out of the market. So what they did was they they quoted a few buyers that turned around. They were you know really gunning for ownership. It was a 168 unit condominium uh, down in Toronto, and uh, it was called the Museum Flats. And everybody just got their deposit check back in the mail from the builder with a letter stating that they were canceling the development. Now remember, back so if we if we kind of go backwards, 2016 back in June, you know prices were kind of floating around. Around $600 a square foot. Today, most of the builders are able to get in excess of $800 a square foot. Now, the builder is saying that they've been looking at the costs and saying it's too expensive. And I'm going to ask um, Mike later in the hour about how builders pretty much forecast their expenses. You know, if they start looking at they're going to do a development five years from now, they must factor in the fact that prices are going to go up. You know, cost of construction is going to go up. So. Are these guys playing a game that they didn't expect the market to go through the roof? And, you know, we obviously heard, you know, a year ago, Urban Corp, they turned around and did the same thing. They backed out of doing a development uh, with people that had bought. Everybody got their deposit back. Really didn't see a whole lot of money out of it. But just so you know, this year alone, there's been five projects canceled in the downtown Toronto core. And that puts one uh, about 1,500 people that had purchased out to pasture. And when we take a look at that, depending on when you bought, if you bought three years ago, you know, two years ago, we start seeing where you are now facing a really, really tough marketplace to be able to buy because prices in the condominium market are up significantly. In fact, looking at the stats, when I start analyzing everything, we're over 20% up year over year just in condominiums. And I know a lot of people are now looking at condominiums saying, hey, this is a great place for us to start. When we talk about condominiums being 600 square feet, even in around $800 a square foot, you know, we start analyzing the number. That's a $480,000 purchase. Now, remember, uh, and I'm going to be talking to Dave Butler shortly about this, but we were talking about the new stress tests coming in. So let's forget about that just for a second, and let's just calculate out the numbers themselves. If you have to turn around and put 20% down, let's say, on a purchase in around 500000 so you've got $100,000 out of your pocket, $400,000 mortgage, pretty much we're looking somewhere in around $2,000 a month to carry it. Then we've got to talk property taxes and condominium fees. And hey, folks, don't 
think for one second when you buy a brand new condo that that maintenance fee they're quoting you is going to stay like that forever. For those of you that don't have experience in condominiums, here's what I can promise you. You're going to hear this. Uh, we've got to increase our condominium fees or there's a special assessment coming down the pipe because most of the time the builders have an artificially low condominium fee out of the gate. So instead of that potential $250 to $300 condominium fee, in no time you can be up in around $500. So let's talk about the fact that we are, we're, we're talking about a 600 square foot condo in today's marketplace. So you are the buyer. Are you going to live in it or rent it? So let's do the buyer aspect of it that you are going to be owner occupied. Uh, first and foremost, owner occupied uh, properties is if you, if the value goes up, then you do not have to pay capital gains. If you are an investor, meaning that you're renting it out, you will have to pay capital gains if you unload it. If you are a speculator and you're just going to flip a paper prior to closing that's going to be deemed income and guess who's going to come after you that's right CRA they're all over everybody right now and they're trying to figure out how many people made money on paper but let's move this one ahead so now you've got a property that you're probably paying about two thousand dollars a month in a mortgage payment on top of that we've got property taxes something like that's probably going to run you about three to four hundred dollars a month and then on top of that you've got your condominium fee so now you've got this great one bedroom condominium maybe a one plus one if you get we're able to stretch the builder out a little and all of a sudden now you've got a cost somewhere around $2,800 and by the way it's not staying there it's going to go up I promise you that for sure so if we're looking at condominiums the maintenance fees are going to go up in the future so $2,800 per month you can rent something for a heck of a lot cheaper than that. And I know rents are going up, but at the end of the day, they have not outpaced the increase that we see on purchase price. So right now, if you want to be an investor and you've got that kind of money down and you can only collect, let's say, $1,900 to $2,000 a month, you are a nonprofit organization for $800 per month. Make sense? I don't think so. That makes you a speculator, which means you're hoping the values are going to continue to drive up. We're going to have to wait on that one because with some new rules coming in and not all the effects felt by the Wynn Government 16 fair market approach to real estate, we haven't seen it all. We haven't seen a year of it. You know what? I can't promise you that market the market's going to continue to drive up in the condominium market. So you may end up losing money on it if you're not careful. One of the things that, of course, we teach at The Simple Investor is how to invest properly. Remember, you can go to thesimpleinvestor.com to find out more about us and what you should be looking at for real estate investment. We're always happy to have a chat. But, you know, when we take a look at the market, I think the market is going to continue to stay stable. Two or 3% increase, not bad. If you're in the condominium market, you're just breaking even if the value continues to go up. So let's be cautious with that one, folks. We've gotta be very, very careful because what we're gonna find in the future is some people extending themselves too far and they just can't make that payment. What happens if the property goes vacant? Again, big concern. Now, back to the market for a second. Yep, we've seen a decent increase. I think when the numbers come out by the end of November, I think we're gonna see a little bit of an increase 
as well, especially in volume. I think everybody's getting a little bit anxious. We're coming up to the end of the year, even though typically December starts to fall off because of the the season that it is, I still think we're going to see some heat in the market. So we've got all sorts of things to keep our eye on over the next few weeks. Make sure you tune in to me right here, your host Todd C. Slater, because I'm going to be talking a lot about the end of the year market. And speaking about the market, uh, again, you know, stay tuned because later in the hour, I've got Mike Chestahoski joining me. He's from CBRE. We're going to be talking about the condominium market, about the developers, more importantly, and coming up after this break, I've got Mr. Dave Butler, and we're going to be talking about what is the new thing happening in the mortgage market. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. Just uh, before the break, I was uh, telling you that I want to talk about some new changes in the mortgage uh, qualification. And, you know, somebody that uh, we definitely lean on and love to talk to is Mr. Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. And uh, hey, Dave, how are you? Hey, how you doing, Todd? So, you know what, you and I always have some great conversations, but this one, this one is the one that, you know, we were kind of fearing uh, that, uh, you know, they're going to make some rule changes and they did. So maybe you can uh, give our listeners a bit of an update on what has transpired and what we are looking at currently in the mortgage market. Yeah, currently what we're looking at is the the kind of big change that we're all talking about, we're all hearing about is that come January 1st, all mortgage applications will have to qualify on what they call a stress test. And that is basically where the bank will use a higher interest rate to determine if you are going to be able to afford this mortgage down the road. Uh, so basically, the, the old school days was if I'm getting a rate of, let's say, 2.99 and I'm submitting to the bank for an application for approval, they would just qualify the rate at the 2.99. The difference being that come January 1st, they will not be qualifying it on 2.99, for instance. It would be at, say, 4.99. So you basically have to be able to show the bank that you can afford this mortgage down in the future when rates may be increased. So it's been a big change that we're seeing. Um, certainly the media has picked it up, and uh, it, it's the story. You know, interesting. Um, you know, the, the this, this stress test has actually been in play for a little while, but just not in all aspects. Is that correct? That is correct. So a couple of years ago, with all insured mortgages, so that is when it, you are putting down less than 20%, the government had introduced this stress test, and it's been in for a couple of years now. Uh, they also had a stress test when you are putting down 20% down or more, but the stress test only applied for variable rate mortgages and one-year, two-year, three-year, and four-year fix. So if you were looking for a five-year fix or higher, you were just able to qualify on whatever the rate was. This is that final change now where there's no more ability to sneak it in on the five-year fixed rate without the qualifying rate. You are now, everyone come January 1st is gonna have to qualify on the same rate. You know, it's funny, Dave, you and I a year ago, and it's probably probably roughly a year ago, uh, you know, we were talking about watching when TD kind of bumped up their rates, if you remember, and you and I were both saying, hey, listen, come spring, they'll kind of do a little bit of adjustment, which they ended up doing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you and I truly thought that they would put this and enforce this new stress test, because it really does have a huge adverse effect to the marketplace, even after everything else that's happened this year 
year. I mean, you, you know, like the laundry list is getting so long. You know, we, we, we get it. People wanted to control the marketplace. You know, probably they've gone overboard with all the new rules, regulations, interest rates going up. Now you add this. I mean, how many more breaks can people actually turn around and try to force onto this marketplace? Well, it's interesting because if we were being handcuffed and thrown into jail, for instance, this would be a scenario where we are being shackled at every limb effectively. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely going to have an impact in what I would call the owner-occupied market. So anybody that is out purchasing an owner-occupied home, um, come January 1st, you are now no longer able to buy as high as you could previous to that date. So, I mean, I think it's going to have an impact on that particular segment of the market. You know, it's funny, though, I think, you know, you and I have talked before, I think this is, interestingly enough, this could be a way for investors, real estate investors, to actually find their way back in. Uh, you know, one thing I have noticed in the last little while is as the market has started to shift a little bit, and we are seeing uh, less maybe buyers out there in terms of the regular real estate market, we're seeing a lot more investors pop out. I had a lot of investors in the summer and just kind of biding their time. They didn't want to put in offers and compete with 10 other people on a property and maybe overpay for it. So they've been waiting. And those people are starting to come out of the woodwork. And I have a feeling we will see more of them coming out of the woodwork after January 1st. Yeah. No, I mean, that's not a bad thing. So here's the thing. You know, we're, we're, we're approaching the end of November. Typically in other markets, let's say five years ago, they were, they were you know, this would be a normal market where it starts getting quieter. But there's a lot of heat on you guys right now. A lot of people are trying to kind of get in under that rule are you finding that you're getting that much busier yeah there's it's been very noticeable on our end there has been a mad dash to the finish line uh we are finding everyone and anyone that's in the in the real estate market and looking at buying a home uh they are trying to get it done now i've also got many 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 refinance applications uh, that we wouldn't have normally got previously so a lot of people are just trying to get in under that under that wire, uh, trying to take advantage of that. Um, but we are, I mean, we've seen a massive spike in activity. I mean, the, our November board, comparatively to any other year before, is, is looking larger than I've ever seen. Wow. And are you, um, are you finding that people are, st- are, are locking in more of a five-year than trying to go for rate and go with a three-year or two-year? Yeah, I mean, it really just depends. There's some banks that have come out with some pretty aggressive two-year and three-year specials, uh, you know, and so certainly we've had people looking at that. But in terms of, you know, is there more people taking fixed rates these days than a variable rate? The answer is definitely yes. I mean, right now it's very uncommon to get asked about a variable rate because it seems to be kind of the the not hot commodity with the fact that it did have two increases this year. Um, and I think certainly people are banking on the fact that rates could rise again next year. And so we've noticed that the general public is definitely starting to move more towards fixed rates. Certainly a five-year fixed rate is kind of the popular product, but we have seen some banks trying to get in with some two-year and three-year specials at some pretty low money. And uh, we've seen some clients definitely uh, try to take advantage of that. So, Dave, you know, you and I have this conversation every single year, and what we talk about, obviously, is, you know, rates typically come up a little just before Christmas. You know, we look at the spring market, they typically go down. Do you think Do you think that if the market starts to slow down, the bank might start giving people a little deeper discounts? Now, they still have to qualify, obviously, at post, but are we going to see some, are we going to go back to a little bit more competition in the, in, in the banks? Because they certainly haven't been that competitive this year. 
Creek. Uh, I, I certainly, I think you and I both hope so. Um, you know, we definitely, this, this year has been an interesting year. We've seen the banks really tighten up on their margins, uh, which means certainly that that doesn't equate to the general public getting the same type of rates or the discounts we were getting before. So um, I think definitely, I mean, you know, as far as you and I, you know, have in our history of together, I mean, we've, we've always, we've always been able to see that there is definitely a pattern on these rates. End of the year, uh, you know, you're usually going to see a little tightening up. Beginning of the year, you'll see them start to eventually open up for that big spring market. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, this is this has been a lot of stuff in 2017. I believe was not predictable. So you know, or or, or stuff that we had looked at, um, and now at the end of the year we look at it and say, wow, that that's you know some of the things we could see, but some of the things that we saw see from the bank standpoint in terms of rates was very different. So I mean, it's it's something we're all keeping our eye on in this industry. Um, but yeah, certainly, I mean, we're all kind of hoping a pattern stays true. This is kind of a clamp up time, but certainly come in the new year, we're all kind of hoping things go back to normal in terms of interest rates and seeing the patterns that we see. Yeah, excellent. Listen, you know, it's been it's been a heck of a ride 2017, Dave. And, uh, you know, thanks for always contributing and uh, and keeping everybody informed. My pleasure. Thank you. So, folks, you can always reach Dave Butler at Butler Mortgage. And uh, when we come back, we're going to have Mike Chestahoski joining us from CBRE. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. Always great to have Dave Butler join me. And, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting, as I said with Dave, that uh, we're, we're, we're creeping into the end of the year. Market uh, for the mortgage guys is actually quite hot. They're going to, you know what? <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, I think these guys are sitting there saying, great, I'm going to have to work New Year's Eve to get that last deal done before they change the rules. And everybody's got to qualify at the uh, at the higher uh, higher rate. And by the way, just for clarity on that point, um, they uh, when they when they made the change uh they've been telling people they should start implementing it but i think what's happening of course is that you know a couple of mortgage brokers are probably dragging their feet uh it's not mandated until january 1 they did want everybody to start utilizing the new criteria but uh, we'll see um as i promised before i went to break um my next guest is mr mike chestahoski and he's been a guest here quite a few times and he is executive vice president at cbre and mike uh, uh, thanks for dropping in thanks thanks for having me back yeah you know always a pleasure and um you know i try to when when we talk about real estate and it's kind of funny because you know most of our listeners of course are of the residential mind <laughs> and uh you know it's been a hell of a year in the residential market and when we talk about you know the numbers of going like just absolutely screaming through the top there in uh, march and april you know all the volume i mean it, it was it was absolutely silly out of control and then now we we watch the market you know bottom comes out of it to a certain point not 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 all the way back you know quite frankly we're still up year over year from you know October and November uh, from 2016 for sure we're still in the positive category not quite as much as everybody was hoping but um, you know the main markets though that are driving a lot of what's going on of course is commercial and industrial and you know un, you know unlike um, the residential market that did have a kind of huge dip you didn't see that same that same bump did you uh, back in in April no, we're sitting with some of the lowest vacancies in the GTA that we've ever seen. We're talking low single digits, both on office, both on office and on industrial. 
Right. When when you start talking about vacancy numbers, um, you know, when we talk about residential, you know, one percent, half a point, you know, one and a half percent, those are those are catastrophic numbers because it's basically there is no inventory for people to rent, you know, an apartment, a condo, whatever it is. Uh, but when you talk about vacancies with commercial, what is what is deemed a you know kind of a that threshold number that people start saying, hey, we're running out of inventory. Below ten. Below ten. Below ten. Really, ten percent. It's bad for the economy. So if if a new company doesn't have a space to live in, right, that's readily available, or we have a tenant that's growing that wants to move right. and doesn't have a place to move, that constrains growth. So we'd like to see somewhere between eight and twelve percent vacancy across the board. We're sitting at two or three. Oh, you're sitting at two or three right now. Oh, okay. When you said 10, it's like, I was going, wait a minute, it's not at 10, is it? Uh, okay, so two or three. Yeah, that's a low number for you guys. That's a real low number. I mean, even even as a typical a residential practitioner, you know, over the years, I still know commercial, two or three, that's, that's kind of rock bottom. It forces tenants to stay where they are, and landlords are taking advantage of that fact. Ah, there we go. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so rents are creeping up. Okay, so so rents are creeping up. Now, also, rules and regulations are a little different in your neck of the woods than, let's say, in the residential neck of the woods. You know, uh, with with rent control being passed residentially this year uh, for anything, uh, rent control is not the same in commercial, is it? No, it's completely market-driven. So it's supply and demand. And it's up to you to negotiate the best deal you can with your landlord through your broker, looking at what the availabilities are. Tenants will look at where they can go and then make a decision if they are going to go bigger space, smaller space or stay where they are. Hmm. Interesting. So, folks, if you if you want to read between the lines, uh, Mike is saying, go buy commercial real estate right away. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm not putting words in your mouth. But you know what? It's, it, it's true. The one thing for landlords is commercial is actually, you know, it, it, it's obviously, you know, it was running higher vacancies before and it was a little bit tougher for some people to own it, especially the smaller investors. I mean, you've got a lot of big players and that that own a lot of the real estate in the in, in the world. I mean, there's probably you know i'm not gonna say a handful because there's more than that but there's a lot of big players out there isn't there well probably 75 percent of the office space downtown is controlled by six or seven pension funds wow and is it the pension funds now that are controlling most of the market there the bigger stuff the bigger stuff right okay so so um I, there's lots for you and I to talk about because you know I always I always find that because I, I kind of delve a little bit into the world when I start playing around with the potential of de- uh, developing you know um, buildings and developments and things like that but you know and and we we buy from apartment owners not condominium owners obviously when with a simple investor but um, a lot lot going on in the marketplace one of the big things that I talked about this week I was on with uh, Jerry Agar we were talking about the cancellation of a another development pre-construction uh downtown toronto uh it was 168 units and you know out of nowhere basically all the buyers ended up getting you know an envelope in the mail and it was and this is how it was done they uh, really no warning it's like by the way here's your deposit so everybody got their deposit back that's a positive thing um but the developer said they uh they couldn't afford to do it with the delays in development whether it be through bank requirements 
too much equity needed if they don't have it or the planning if they've launched before they had full approvals and things got caught up a little bit costs kept on going up cement doesn't go down labor doesn't go down steel doesn't go down but their prices remain stagnant see you see, this this is where I guess I take a little bit of a different spin on it. Maybe 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 you can you know give me your side of the story. But when I look at it, June twenty sixteen is when they did the sales release. Okay, they blow it out. Obviously, hot market in June back last year. Everybody wanted to be buying something. You know, uh, detached, semi-detached were going through the roof. So everybody jumps on the bandwagon and says, "Hey, let's buy." All right, so everybody goes out, they buy, you know, the builder gets the deposits, everything. They canceled 14 or 15 months later after a release saying we can't afford it, you know, citing a 13% increase in cost to build. Now, my question to you is this, first, first and foremost is, you know, how, how, does the, how does the whole thing, you know, kind of from start to finish, and, and, and you don't have to get too detailed, but how is it possible that in one year they say there's a 13% increase to the cost of construction when, you know, should have they not factored in the fact that construction costs are going to go up? You know, they were, they were targeting a 2019 closing, which to me seems a little bit short anyways, like three years. That doesn't sound right in the first place because things take a lot longer than that and then did they like completely miss like where where could something like this have gone wrong people make mistakes no and, and then <laughs> not you and i yeah <laughs> except if you talk to our wife exactly <laughs> but people make mistakes they misstep um you know but i think it's more time you know people get caught up in wanting to get out to the market quickly because there's pressure on them from their banks and internally from their partners to sell these units. And everybody wants to sell into a frothy market. Are you, should have you have sold at that time? If you didn't have full approvals, probably not. Should have waited. And there's more and more sites and deals where you're gonna see this happening. Is because people sold too long ago and the prices to building is beyond making sense to build it anymore. So if we're talking about delays, for instance, because I, I think that's where you're kind of, you know, looking at it now, you know, if they're inexperienced, so not one of the major guys, because the major guys, you know, they have the deeper pockets, obviously, and they have a better understanding of it. But can can somebody actually turn around and fall? I mean, literally, in 14 months, they said our costs have gone up 13%. Okay. I'm sorry, I call foul on that one. I don't agree that that's re the real motivation. Um, you know, perhaps lack of financing, maybe the bank pulled it, but they just don't want to admit, you know, out in the real world that they can't get their financing. Or they can make more money. Well, you see, that's the thing. And you see, I, I, I didn't want to go down that road yet because we're going to go to a quick break. But I do want to have that discussion with you because, you know, I, I'm the first person to say, they wanted to make more money. And we've got a couple of guys out there that, you know, they, they, they pulled they pulled the projects and when you really analyzed it, it was because they said, hey, listen, I'd rather be the landlord than somebody else. And I think you know who I'm talking about, but a year and a half ago, something happened to that effect. So folks, if you're just tuning in, Mr. Mike Chesahoski is re a turning guest. He is the executive vice president of CBRE. Always great to have Mike here. We are going to be talking more about the commercial industrial real estate market. Talk about developers right now, because, um, you know, recent in the news, somebody 
decided they didn't want to build. They gave an excuse, but I don't necessarily agree with it. I'm going to ask Mike's opinion because we just touched on it. Was it money motivated? When we come back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, um, I've got Mike Chastoski, uh with me today in the studio, and he is executive vice president. You've heard him here on Simply Real Estate several times. Uh, always great to have him come and and you know share with us a lot of the knowledge that he carries with CBRE. And Mike, just before the break, you and I were having this conversation, of course, about the the latest uh, cancellation of a development. Uh, 168 units. Everybody got their checks back, their deposits. They're all sitting there saying. But, 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 but I paid $600 a square foot. If I got to hop into this market today, it's almost 800. That's a big change. You know, I, 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 I'm going to say something's starting to sound a little fishy. You know, when you look at $200 a square foot more, 33% more, could it be money motivated? Could be. Could be it's it's you all, don't worry you can you can you can throw it out there don't don't hold back we're we're all motivated that way right and people have to realize 168 units 200 bucks a foot that's a lot of money that's a lot of money probably between 25 and 30 million dollars yep more so we only have so many projects we can do so if you can get another 25 million that's a different story but people have to ask themselves what if it went the other way. What if it went down 200 bucks? Would you walk from your deposit? Well, you know, th- that's a great point because people started to. You know, um, we were, uh, we've talked to, you know, quite a few lawyers uh, over the last few months. And the guys that were buying in March and April and then had to start closing, you know, come uh, June, July, the appraisals weren't coming in. Everybody started saying, hey, by the way, it's not worth what you paid for it. You're going to have to come up with some more money. And there was a few people that walked away from those. Could you see that being the motivation, though? I mean, like right now, uh, and, and I agree with you, you know, it's a double-edged sword. You know, what would the builder be, you know, uh, are they going to be left standing? Well, listen, if people walked away, the builder still has their deposits. So, yeah, I agree that, you know, they may not, you know, get back 20%, but a lot of these builders are holding 10% at least in deposits. If not more. Yeah. So let's let's say the market did fail by 20%, but if you got 20% deposits, they're kind of safe. Yes, they're still okay. Yeah. Still okay. Is it motivated? Are we seeing more uh, cancellations? I think we are going to see more cancellations because maybe some of it's going to be money motivated, but I think a lot are cost motivated, that they waited too long, they got held up, and they no longer can make sense of building at the price they originally sold for. Okay. That's fair. Now, you know, so far this year, 1,500 units have, uh, have canceled, uh, f- uh, I believe five, six developments. Okay, so we watched them go bye-bye. Last year, we saw one of the major players turn around and, and, and yank uh, some of it. And, you know, they said that their sales were not sufficient, which is really hard to believe that somebody can't sell out in a marketplace like they did last year. Um, and then uh, a lot of people are saying that they just want to play landlord because, again, rental markets getting tougher and tougher they built on a couple years ago costs and they're saying hey listen you know what we're going to play landlord and so they give everybody back their deposits um right now you know you and i've had some interesting conversations provincial government okay um not that i need to know any party affiliation by yourself or your company but at the end of the day you know they talked a lot about helping builders be able to get product to the marketplace a little bit sooner you know maybe cutting a little bit of red tape you know uh one of the things that we're obviously seeing are some delays 
are they making any headway here? What what you know what what exactly is going on? Because you know people are complaining still that the market hasn't come backwards. You know, it, uh, you know we know that there's an inventory problem. You and I recognize that. Um, is there any help coming down the pipe? I think they're making some initiatives. They announced the fair housing program where they're taking some government-owned sites right. and instituting them to put them out to the market and forcing builders to build affordable to, to own and affordable rentals. Okay, so we're talking land uh, or or, repur- or not repurposing buildings, but just like knock them down and, and put something new. Exactly. Okay, so the government is going to turn around and um, give the land to the developer, of course, because they're that nice. No, no, not when we're selling it. No, no, but certainly the price may reflect some of these Incentive? requirements that the government has to help people get more affordable housing. Why would a builder do it? Because they're great sites. Okay. So they can still make money on the balance of it on in the market. Okay. But is there enough profit in it? than them not buying something else. Because my, my concern is this, and, and, and I understand where you're going with it. It's like, hey, listen, if the government turns around, frees up some land and says, hey, Mr. Builder, come on over, uh, you can build it, but you gotta make sure you make build it affordably, right? So that we can get some of these young people into ownership. And I, I understand, kumbaya, but at the end of the day, does it make sense for a builder to do it? Is there a, are they allowing them to get enough profit, or is the government going to oversee their profit line as a builder? Because quite frankly, I think most of the builders would tell them to take a flying leap. We will know very shortly. <laughs> we have a number of sites in the market today, right? and the interest level is very good from very qualified large builders <laughs> that want to do. And it's the quality of the site, too. These are very good sites. Okay. I love the word interest level, Mike. (laughs) Do you have firm deals is the question. They're currently in the market. We haven't received offers as yet. Right. We're running tenders. The tenders have not closed. Okay. Do I anticipate number of offers? Yes. Okay. Sorry. I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but you and I both know real real estate speak. We have a lot of interested parties. Right. Do you have any firm offers? No. Okay. So we're not there yet. No. (laughs) When builders are calling you and acting the way they are currently, you know you're going to get decent offers. Listen, you and I both know inventory is a real tough thing, and finding developable land right now in Toronto is even getting tougher. I mean, you know, they're shoehorning some stuff in, and we're watching people build on top of things that you kind of say, wow, they're, you know, it's like, wow, look at that. That's going up on top of that house. Um, so, so the idea here is that inventory, but how much inventory could they actually create? You know, we don't have a shortage. And in all fairness, I mean, if we take a look at the numbers, and you know these numbers probably better than anybody, because CBRE, you know, the biggest company in the world for this kind of thing. You know, you've got the you've got the people that are crunching the numbers. But the truth be told, it's not that we're short ten thousand, twenty thousand, thirty thousand units. We're short in the in the six digit number as far as units for the future. Yes. Um, how is it that like how how can the government all of a sudden pop up like can they get can they give enough land that you can develop 10,000 units because that's that that's like putting a band-aid on this thing they have the land the question is taking it through the planning process we can't reverse all those policies right through the planning process the infrastructure costs and going through all that overnight right it took us 20 years to get here it's going to take us 20 years to get back whoa okay um if you take a look at the number of properties required over the next 20 years, what's that number going to look like? It's huge. 
huge. <laughs> uh, there's a, you know, we have these conversations because builders call us, large ones, yep. that are grinding through land very quickly. And sure. they have inventory issues. Right. So if you have an office full of people, you want to do something. Sure. But some of these big builders do 50 to 100 acres a month. Right. And then the, the, the stuff on the high rise on top of it. So it will take a huge amount of land. And now that the feds have announced uh, increase in immigration over the next three years, yep. we have to figure out where we're going to put them. Yeah, and, you know, everybody wants to be in downtown Toronto, and they want it to be affordable. Um, I'd like the next six winning lottery ticket numbers, but I don't think I'm going to get that. Um, no, but it's tough, you know, because here's the thing. We're running out of space to to, to build on, okay? You're, you're repurposing like crazy. You know, every possible, you know, application to repurpose something I know is coming down the pipe. But sooner or later, you're... You're not knocking down a 50-story tower to put up an 80-story tower, uh, or we're going to have a real problem. Where's it going to come from? Well, I think that exactly what you said is those C-class office buildings, those old retail mm -hmm. are going to be torn down, and the density is going to be increased significantly. The municipalities want us to retain some of that office. So you're going to rip down a five or eight or 10 story office building. And you're going to build a 50 story tower with 10 stories of office below it. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about um, that new development uh, where Stollery's was. Okay. You know, that's going to be its big development. But they just said this week that they look like they're going to put about uh, 10 floors of hotel. So they've got a lot of, uh, uh, they're going to do retail. Uh, maybe some business, and then condominium, you know, going going to the sky. Does that make sense? Are we going to see more and more of this kind of design? Well, I think with the lack of sites for hotels, they have to start looking at going into a mixed-use type of development. For that hotel to go and buy that site just for a hotel right. doesn't make financial sense. Right. And the municipalities like the idea that hotels are mixed into mixed-use developments. Yeah, Trump really thought that went well for him in Toronto. Right? <laughs> just lent his name. Yeah, I know. He had nothing you know, to do with it. It was no. just his name and his mug on the shot. I know. Um, so where what are we looking for in uh, 2018? Where do you think we're going to be? I think you're going to see a rebound nicely of the residential market. Mm -hmm. Right now, we're seeing the stuff, the, the less expensive stuff, million, two, million, three and down, yep. still moving very well. Okay. The condos across the board are doing extremely well. Yep. But I think we're going to see a rebound of that single family market in spring that people are going to see similar to Vancouver. After we had that six month lag after the tax came in, things are going to go back to normal. Okay. Prices never really adjusted a whole lot. No, not a whole lot. Do you think the mortgage rules are going to hurt everybody? Yes. Yep. Yes. Well, but people will adjust. Yep. Mom and dad will come up with more money. <laughs> Grandma and grandpa will come up with more money. So, are you setting your kids up, Mike? Is that what's happening? <laughs> I only have one, so he gets everything. Yeah. And he knows it. Uh, yeah. Well, listen, Mike, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. I greatly appreciate you coming in today. And uh, thanks for sharing you know, all your stuff with us. Thank you very much. Uh, best way for you know some of our would-be uh, people, uh, just is a CBRE website. Is that the best place to go? CBREland.ca. Excellent. Listen, Mike, always a pleasure. Folks, that was Mr. Mike Chestahoff joining me and always always a pleasure uh, for him to uh, come in and have a chat you know what 
Um, I, I'm just going to put my opinion out there. I really think it was money motivated. 168 units. I just think they left way too much on the uh, on the plate and decided that you know what, uh, let's let's pull it back. What I did say to Mike off air, just so everybody knows, is I said to him, I said, "Yep, you're going to see somebody else pop up a site. They're going to go for 800 a square. So for those of you that were looking for that location, keep your eye on it. I think you're going to find somebody else. Step into it, but you're going to be paying a lot more. Hey, listen, I want to uh, thank. Uh, Dave Butler as well for joining me. Always a pleasure to have Dave. And I want to thank Ian Grant, my producer. He always makes it simple for me. And most important, I want to thank you for tuning in. Remember, I'm back next week, Saturday at 3 p.m. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.